on track. The only thing that matters is a win. That's it. However, whatever, whatever it takes. Let's go, man. Let's win on three. One, two, three. Man. Live. 319. In the entertainment capital of the world. Vikings blitz. Manning got it off the rare deep throw. And maybe that's why they don't do it. Intercepted by Xavier Rhodes. It's the T.C. Martin Show. They're not used to this damn heat. They're over there trying to set up damn pits over there on the sideline. Hey, Mr. Ron! It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Okay, I ain't going to worry about you no more. 300 yards, four touchdowns. It's so sweet when you walk off the field knowing you get everything you got. Team win tonight. The doctor is now in. How you like me now? Number two here on this Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Glad to have you with us. We can continue on here talking a lot of hoop here because the madness is definitely upon us, but it's never too late to talk about football. We got that, right? We know that's true. All right. Uh, join us now, our very good friend who is, uh, we're giving him a break, you know, during the offseason, but, you know, still, we can't get enough of Trevor Maddich. For we got Trevor isms and you know all those things we just we just can't stay away from. So why not bring Trevor Maddich in? Since today is the franchise tag day, we'll dig into that. The NFL Combine and uh, why not a little March Madness with Trevor Maddich? What's going on, brother? Mister TC, I am doing great. Although I'm I'm recovering from BYU losing to St. Mary's in the West Coast Conference <laughs> tournament. Oh, they they went down by 26 points and then they okay. came back. With a furious comeback, but they just couldn't pull it off at the end. But man, that was a game. Trevor, I was there. I was amongst those those uh, those Cougar maniacs. Uh, they were loud and proud, and they had outnumbered St. Mary's from a, a fan standpoint. Uh, yeah, they were going crazy. They're going ballistic. You know, the thing was that was a very physical game. There was, I think, four flagrant fouls in that game. I think two by each team uh, last night. But uh, yeah, Cougars. Um, you know, couldn't pull it off. And, you know, Trevor, this is kind of a weird tournament this year because, as you know, uh, BYU is leaving the WCC. And, uh, I'm, it's just kind of a weird feeling not knowing that, you know, knowing that we're not going to see these rabid fans come to Vegas for this tournament, uh, anymore. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure how I, how I feel about them leaving the WCC because I think they added a lot to the conference. It is a passionate fan base. But I think from the standpoint of the city at large, your alcohol sales will likely go way up. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. Yeah, they they weren't they weren't hovering around the bars. I I, I did notice that. No no question. Yeah, they better not be anyway. I think it would be a false flag. It would be University of Utah fans fans wearing a BYU t shirt at the bar just to make BYU look bad. That's that's what I believe. Yeah, I think we talked uh, about this before. When the Notre Dame came here to play uh, BYU, remember the Shamrock uh, game, you know, earlier this year, and you know how they do just kind of like bowl games where one half of of the building is is like the BYU side, and the other was kind of like the Notre Dame side. They said there were like no lines at the bar areas and the restaurant areas over there on the BYU side <laughs> compared to the Notre Dame side. Notre Dame side, they said, is ridiculous. Notre Dame fans were telling me that they walked all the way around the stadium so they could get their beer uh, without any weight whatsoever. And Notre Dame won that game, right? They did. They did. So what does that tell you about the relationship to from adult beverages to winning football games? If they go I hand in hand, it sounds like correlation. To me. Yeah, I think it's yeah, they go. <laughs> I hope it's not that way in the Big 12 because that's where BYU is playing next year. So, How do you feel about that going to the Big 12? Because, I mean, obviously from a football standpoint, it's great. But I think from a basketball standpoint uh, as well, I mean, it's a, it's a big win for them as in, in football. I mean, they were an independent before. I don't know how you feel about Trevor, but it just didn't seem like it really worked out the way they thought it was going to work out. It is, uh, well, it, being independent, though, really helped BYU because they were able to play teams that they never would have been able to play all over the country. I mean, Wisconsin, Oklahoma, you know, you go play teams in Florida. There's just out to Virginia. And it got the BYU brand out in front of people that wouldn't have been able to see it necessarily face-to-face, and that's important because of the LDS connection as much as anything else. I mean, it's the best 
if the best LDS football players coming out of high school went to BYU, BYU would be a top six or seven team every year, uh, certainly a top 10 team every year. But they don't really know BYU. They didn't in the past until BYU became independent and were able to go out and meet some of these guys um, because some of them just didn't give BYU a chance of recruiting because they were being recruited by Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State. and They didn't make it that far out west. So it helped BYU from a recruiting standpoint to get out there. And some of those teams that they played, they beat. I mean, they, um, they knocked off Wisconsin at Wisconsin. They knocked off the mighty Oklahoma Sooners in, uh, Arlington, Texas in the season opener. It was just a brutally physical game and BYU beat the mighty Sooners at their own game. Uh, I mean, these, these clean cut married return missionaries went down there and, and won an alley fight with the mighty Oklahoma Sooners. It was just, it was fantastic to watch if you're a BYU fan. And it was, uh, and so these things I think helped solidify BYU as a worthy candidate for a higher level of competition than the group of five, not to disparage the group of five. The thing is though, their schedule, goodness gracious, is their schedule going to be, is going to be brutal. Um, I mean, they're at Arkansas, at Kansas, who's resurgent. They have Cincinnati at TCU, you know, at Texas with either Quinn Ewers or Arch Manning at quarterback, for goodness sake. You know, they've got to play uh, Iowa State and Oklahoma in Provo. You know, it's, it's, it's a brutal schedule. But as long as BYU is able to to stay relatively healthy, they should be relatively competitive this first year. And then we'll see what it does for recruiting going forward. Speaking like a true BYU alum, there you go, Trevor Maddich, uh, national championship, Trevor Maddich for the BYU team. What nineteen eighty four, right? Yeah, that was, that was back before I was born. TC, I, <laughs> I don't even remember playing in that game, but they told me I did. Uh, you did, yeah. We, we there, there's video of it. We've we've seen it, my my friend. Yeah, I, I know you have. Yep. The NFL Combine. Uh, just concluded. Uh, did you get a chance to watch much of that? Are you into the combine? Yeah, I got to see. I got to see some of that. I was looking for specific players, uh, and you know, I wasn't that I was looking at the whole thing and grading all 319 of them. But there were certain guys that I was looking at that I kind of wanted to see how they performed. Guys that I, I thought uh, would either confirm what I thought about them from college, uh, or either rise or fall. And so I, I, I found guys like that. Uh, and on the, all three of those levels in watching the, the combine the way I did. How necessary is it for players to go to the combine? And the reason why I ask is because we hear a lot of players say, well, nah, I, I don't, I don't, you know, my stock is, is perfect where it is right now. I don't want my stock to drop. Or maybe like, if you're a quarterback, well, I really don't need to throw. I'll do my pro day. How important is it for these players to go? Well, for some of them, it's critical. For others, not so much. I mean, when you look at Bryce Young, for example, quarterback for Alabama, what he put on tape the last two years, winning the Heisman Trophy two years ago, and probably even playing better this last year, although his stats weren't as good, that's because of the team around him. What he did on tape was unimpeachable. And throwing at the combine, or even his pro day, really wouldn't, wouldn't do much, I think. What he needed to show was that he gained a little bit of weight, and he did. He came in at uh, 5'10 and an 8, so he's over 5'10, yay, and 204 pounds. And as long as people thought he would come in under 200 pounds, I think he played under 200 pounds at Alabama, but he picked up some weight, so that's good. And he got to do the medicals where the, the, the team physicians and trainers were able to kind of look at him, look at his hips. He's kind of a slight guy. He's not real solidly built, but he was able to stand up to the SEC quite well for two years, although he did miss some time last year. That was really more, again, the people around him than it was him being injury-prone. But he didn't need to throw. He didn't. A guy who did need to throw was Will Levis out of Kentucky because Levis is built like a brick house, man. He's just chiseled out of granite. He's tall. He's thick. He's athletic. He's got a rocket for an arm. Problem is, last year his production went way down from a standpoint of accuracy and effectiveness, way, way down. So the question is, is that because his his year two years ago uh, was sort of an anomaly with those NFL players that were around him, uh, or was was is he really just not that accurate? And so his being able to to do two things at this combine were important to him. One was the interview process, 
where he could convince NFL coaches that he's got a feel and an understanding for defensive concepts, offensive concepts too, but especially defensive concepts. A lot of quarterbacks come out of college, don't have much of an idea what defenses are doing. And that means the learning curve is going to be far steeper in the NFL. The other thing that Will Levis of Kentucky quarterback needed to show in this combine was more precision and consistency with his accuracy. Well, I don't know what happened in the meetings, but I do know that he didn't throw all that well. He showed a really strong arm, yay, but he was he was sporadic with his accuracy. So he didn't help himself from that standpoint. Now, had he not come to the to the combine to throw, let's say he didn't throw his pro day either, the NFL scouts would be left to wonder if the fact that his performance diminished so much this past season was really truly a matter of the people around him or if he was at fault also because he didn't do enough to elevate the performance of the people around him. He needed the combine to show that it really was the people around him, and I don't think he showed it very well. Bryce Young seems to be the top quarterback. Then there's C.J. Stroud, and you mentioned Will Levis. Talk a little bit about Young and Stroud. Do you think that either one of these guys could, I don't want to say the word surefire, but could they be quality NFL quarterbacks? Young and Stroud, Stroud, I think, has the best chance to to have a strong career, a long-term strong career. I mean, he was lights out on his accuracy, one of the most accurate consistently accurate performances at the combine that we've seen in several years. Part of that too, he was throwing to Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is uh, a guy that he's thrown to a lot at Ohio state on his past season. Not so much because Njigba was, was injured, but you know, he, he had a little bit of familiarity with that receiver. So that, that helped him, but he's got the size and the accuracy and enough mobility to, if his temperament is okay, he should be able to, to transition to the NFL pretty well. Bryce Young has a chance to be a phenomenal NFL quarterback, but it's the size issue and it's the, the health issue. Tua Tango-Vailoa, former Alabama quarterback who's now with the Miami Dolphins, is actually thicker in his body than Bryce Young, but Tango-Vailoa has a knack for falling in a way that, he falls onto his back with the back of his head smashing into the ground a lot. And he's suffered a number of concussions now with the Dolphins, and that has put his career in jeopardy. And so uh, you look at other smaller quarterbacks and how have they done. Kyler Murray, you know, his size I don't think is what holds him back. And so you can you can say, you know, Drew Brees is a lot is taller than Bryce Young, but but Drew Brees also was small relative to other quarterbacks, and his size didn't hold him back. I think Bryce Young has shown in the SEC that he's able to find those gaps between the big giant linemen and anticipation of throwing downfield and the vision to be able to know what's happening down there, even though he's only 5'10 and an 8, that that shouldn't hold back NFL teams from drafting him high. The only question for Bryce Young is, do they believe that he can stay healthy at the NFL level? And I would suggest this. We talked about Will Levis of Kentucky. I don't think Will Levis did enough this last year to elevate um, a group of players around him that weren't as good as they were the year before. Bryce Young was the opposite. Bryce Young had a group of players, especially at receiver, that were not nearly as good as they were the year before when he won the Heisman. And he elevated that team anyway. I mean, Alabama lost two games, both of them on walk-off plays at the end of the game at LSU, at Tennessee, and neither one of them was Bryce Young's fault. If it weren't for Bryce Young, they wouldn't have been even that close. And so, you know, I think think Bryce Young um, has a chance to be a very good quarterback if he can stay healthy. Uh, Trevor Mass joins us talking about the NFL scouting combine just uh, concluded. Who, Who shot their way up the draft board, regardless of position, Give give us a, a guy or two that they really maybe turn some heads. Okay, so 
You want to talk about Anthony Richardson at some point down the road, or uh... do we? I mean, you and I, we we don't like Anthony Richardson, and I'm tired of, of like even Raider fans thinking like, oh, Anthony Richardson, he could be a good one. Have you watched the guy play? Forget about it. I mean, I'm a Bryce Young guy, C.J. Stroud, okay, Will Levis, no guy got sacked too many times. I understand offensive line, this and that, but come on, you 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 know, to play in this league, you're gonna have to be special. Like I want that special guy. Is Anthony Richardson special, Trevor Maddich? No, right? No, uh, Anthony Richardson. He's Are you going to tell me? Do you have something to tell me here? Am I missing yeah, something? I do. What happened here? He, you brought Anthony Richardson up, so you must have some breaking news. Well, he's being linked to the Raiders at number seven. Oh, come on, come on. I, I mean, I mean, does your does your intel, does your does your matahari of of football? Inside the Raiders organization, tell you that they're interested. I mean, what do you know? Well, everything is quiet on the Western Front. I think wasn't that part of a movie? It wasn't a movie? You know, back in you know your day. I don't know, but uh, no, stay away. From, <laughs> stay away from the quarterbacks, Trevor. The Raiders need to stay away from the quarterback and get yourself something that you need, either on the O line or or on defense at number seven. Please do that if you're the Raiders, not a project like Anthony Richardson, and you're probably better suited. For taking Jared Stidham, you got him here. Let him go. Go with Stidham. Build around him. Now, now you, uh, you laid it out the way I see it. But for people who still aren't convinced, Anthony Richardson, you know, he came in at 244 pounds as a quarterback. He ran a 4-4-3-40. His broad jump and his vertical were off the charts. He showed amazing arm strength and throwing, and he's got scouts salivating about his potential upside. He probably has the, the highest upside of any of the quarterbacks in his draft if he hits on all cylinders and he fixes some of his deficiencies. The problem is he still didn't throw very well. That's that's he what I was going to ask you right there. I mean, you can say all the ball out of bounds. Yeah, come on. <laughs> at the combine, he's throwing the ball out of bounds. Come on. And then, yeah, no. And then when you look at uh, how he performed, he had some really big games, 400-yard passing games in Florida. We had a whole bunch of them that were under 200. You know, he was, he was like 150 yards passing against USF. I mean, he, uh, he, there's just all kinds of, of inconsistency and he's got a very strong arm. I would take Anthony Richardson in the first round under one condition. And that is if they bring him in, considering that he will be their backup quarterback for the foreseeable future and then use him like the Saints use Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill, the Saints have. He's their backup. He's not their starter. They don't want him to be the starter. He's not that guy. But while, when he's not working at quarterback, they put him in at H-back and fullback and wide receiver and special teams. And you've got sub-packages on short yards and goal line at quarterback. And that's the kind of thing that Anthony Richardson should be able to do at an extraordinarily high level because of his physical traits. Then he would be a first-round talent from the standpoint of elevating the production on the team if they used him that way, if he was able to pick up all those positions, and then let him develop as a quarterback. And if he turns out in a couple, three years that he's got all those deficiencies fixed, then make him a quarterback full-time and you got to steal. But if he doesn't, keep using him as Taysom Hill, and he still makes your team better. Now, Raiders, though. Raiders. Okay, Raiders. Yes. The most intriguing thing for the Raiders at number seven right now is Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter. Carter. Do you want to remind people the story of Carter and what happened? Do you want me to tell them? Oh, uh, go ahead. Yeah, we talked about it last okay. week. Fire away. Exactly. Yeah. Well, he got in trouble. He apparently shortly after the Georgia um, national championship victory parade, he was, according to police, drag racing with another vehicle that had some Georgia personnel and players and stuff being driven by uh, uh, one of the scouting department. And that scouting department person, uh, according to police, had a blood alcohol level over twice the legal limit. That vehicle crashed and killed two people, the driver and then one of the Georgia players. Jalen Carter, according to police, was in the area drag racing with them. And he now is associated with the ugliness of two young people having their life snuffed out in a moment of, of very poor decision-making. But he's been charged with misdemeanors, as far as I know. Right. And if he's not looking at jail time or any, any long jail time, then the cold hard calculation for the Raiders would be 
okay, this guy's going to deal with his, his legal stuff. He'll pay society. He's not going to go to jail, or at least not for any length that'll, that'll affect what he's doing with us. And then they have an absolute game wrecker on the interior defensive line, which the Raiders need. The Raiders game wrecker. They could use someone that could, that could, you know, blow a hot breath on a mirror. You know, they need to stop the run. They need more interior pressure from that defensive front. And Carter is one of those guys that has the talent to be taken in the top three picks. And if this legal situation drops him to number seven, then the Raiders would have to decide if they are willing to take the risk that the legal situation will be relatively minor for Carter, even though the association is ugly, even though drag racing at all, even if nobody was hurt, in my opinion, is a horrifically bad thing to do because of the the potential for somebody to be struck and killed. Forget the people that you're, don't forget, including the people that you are, drag racing with, but also people that are just driving home from Waffle House at 2 in the morning that might get caught up in it, right? So I'm not in any way suggesting that because they're misdemeanors, that the decision to drag race, if that is in fact what happened, is in any way diminished. That is an incredibly dangerous thing to do that can lead to death of innocent people, right? And especially with the Raiders, because their their receiver from Alabama, what happened to him um, when he crashed his Corvette uh, a couple of years ago, and, you know, I think he's been in prison for a while for that. That was a terrible, tragic thing. Well, that's if why... If the Raiders that's... decide to get past that, and if they see that the information was that Carter made a bad decision, but he's not a bad guy, he doesn't do this a lot, and uh, and they can live with that, then that is an intriguing pick for them. And here's the thing, though. That and the Henry Rugg situation is still fresh on everyone's mind here in Las Vegas, and now if you're going to select a guy like that in the same type of scenario, drag racing, leading to to killing someone, I, I, I think that that's such a slippery slope, that a PR disaster that you don't want to touch that. And I get it. It's like, oh, he could be a game wrecker. He could be a game changer. We get that. But, hey, we've heard that before. We've seen college game wreckers and game changers not uh, that have a – a clean history, a clean slate that haven't amounted to anything in the NFL. So I think, you know, for the Raiders, you got to be very, very careful, uh, about even contemplating selecting a guy like Jalen Carter, because that story is, is horrible. And, and to me, Trevor, I don't understand how you kill two people and you're going to be charged with misdemeanors. I mean, that's, well, he didn't kill I know, I know, but he was, a, he was involved in, the situation where, you know, uh, you know, it, it, in the area or whatever you want to say. So I don't know. It's just, it's, yeah, but had it not been for rugs though, had that not happened, would you consider Carter? Possibly. I would need to do a great, uh, character check on him. Have, you know, he needs to sit down with the Raiders brass and they need to do a deep dive into, into him and really scrub everything away and see what kind of guy this, this, this kid is. You know what I'm saying? You know, are you remorseful? Have you, you know, can any of this happen? I mean, again, uh, we've seen it with these kids who, you know, come from smaller communities, uh, you know, down in the South. They come here to Las Vegas. They can't handle it. I mean, again, you know, Ruggs is the only one. I mean, we've seen, you know, several, several others. Uh, exact same situation that come out here and, you know, Damon Arnett. I mean, he's, he's, he's wielding a gun, you know, at, uh, at valet people and doing all kinds of other nonsense. We see guys going to clubs and falling asleep at the wheel afterwards. I mean, it's just, you know, a lot of these guys, they think it's Disneyland over here and they don't get it. Uh, so very careful. I mean, you got to just do a, a deep dive character check into these guys. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that. Uh, I, you're right about that. That's why I say it's an intriguing thing, because if that deep dive character check turns out that he made a mistake in the euphoria of winning that second national championship, and, and he did a stupid thing, um, but his role in the stupid thing, you know, didn't rise to the level of killing those people, this is what they would have to decide. Some NFL team is going to have to decide that, yep. no matter where they're taken. Right. You know, I, I, there, some NFL team is going to have to decide that because if, if, you know, but if that character check comes back that this was a one-time thing that ended up being part of a horrific result, 
then he would be an intriguing player the farther down he falls in the draft. And that's all I'm saying. Right. You know me. I mean, I don't even drink, right? So I'm not. I, I'm never one to excuse bad behavior. But at the same time, I think that we need to take bad behavior as either a, a one-off or as a character trait. And there are one-offs that disqualify you. You could be the best dude in the world, and you could do a one-off bad mistake that disqualifies you from everything. But that's what any team that drafts Jalen Carter will need to decide. What is this from his perspective? All right, two more things I want to hit uh, with you real quick before we let you go. Derek Carr signs with the Saints for your deal, $150 million, $100 million guaranteed. Uh, what does this mean for Carr? What does this mean for the Saints? You mentioned Taysom Hill a little bit earlier. We know that uh, you know he is still there. Uh, Jameis Winston will probably be let go. Andy Dalton started 14 games. A lot of people forget that. Andy Dalton started 14 games uh, for the Saints last year. He's a free agent, so he's not going to be around. What do you think of Carr and the Saints? For Carr, it's phenomenal. I mean, for Carr, he went through a... He's an emotional guy. Raiders fans have seen him in local press conferences there, you know, wearing his heart on his sleeve, come to tears at times. And for him to go through what he went through, being released, whether or not he should have been is not really relevant. I'm talking about for the individual to then be wanted to the degree that he signs a $160 million contract. Um, that's a, that's almost whiplash. And so I'm very happy for Derek Carr. Is he a guy that could take the Saints to the promised land? I don't know. He never took the Raiders to the promised land. Uh, but then again, the Raiders, you know, didn't, didn't support him as well as I think he would have wanted to have been supported. So he'll have a chance to start over again, and we will know about Derek Carr coming up pretty quickly. The thing is, though, for the Saints, I think it's a it's a bit of a stretch to make that big of a commitment to him. But I think the Saints were worried that they were in a quarterback wasteland, and they were. When Drew Brees left, now you got Jameis Winston, uh, you know, Taysom Hill, not that guy. Andy Dalton, serviceable backup, serviceable guy, not a promised land kind of guy. And they don't even know if they're in a coaching wasteland. I mean, Sean Payton's gone, and, you know, with the quarterback problems and other problems, they don't even know uh, whether they'll be able to, to overcome that loss. And so the Saints, to hit their wagon to the degree of $160 million, uh, I would want to see the, the details of the contract. Do you know how much of that's guaranteed? Yeah, sixty million uh, fully guaranteed at signing, and another ten million uh, into when he starts year three of the deal. So yeah, he could earn sixty million the first two years of the deal. So yeah, that's that's not that's not prohibitive. So so for the Saints, it's it's not as bad as I thought it was then, because that's not a whole lot of guaranteed money when you when you're talking about quarterbacks. So, yeah. uh, but we'll see. You know, they hope they're out of the quarterback wasteland. We'll, we'll see if they are. The Raiders felt they were in the quarterback wasteland, wasteland with Derek Carr. All right, Lamar Jackson uh, again didn't want to be tagged. Going to get get tagged, non exclusive exclusive tag, which means he can negotiate with any NFL team right now. Uh, Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent, doesn't want an agent, wants to handle it himself. I don't know. Uh, what do you think of of Lamar Jackson moving forward? Um, where does he go? What does he do? Uh, is this the right move for the Ravens? The Ravens are saying, hey, we want to move forward with him. He's our guy. We'd like to do a long-term deal. But, I mean, is this just for show, Trevor, or do they really want this guy or not? Well, I think they want him, but obviously price matters. I mean, when you look at context, MVP, what was it, four years ago, Lamar Jackson was in the NFL? Yeah. Uh, but from a standpoint of receiver and running backs because of injury and other issues, they, they've not surrounded him with, with the talent that they need to, and he's fallen off. He's only appeared in 12 games each of the last two seasons, so he's been injured, especially down the stretch this last year when they needed him most. And there's a real problem with that. Lamar Jackson thinks that that's just sort of a one-off and he should get paid, but from a standpoint of the of the Ravens, look at it this way. When Lamar Jackson first came into the league, he was so shifty that it was hard to hit him fast, or excuse me, hit him hard. You had to slow down because if you came in like a locomotive, he was just going to juke you and leave you in the dirt while he's running down the field. Compare that to a guy like RG3, for example, when he was playing a few years ago. RG3 had Olympic caliber speed in a straight line, but he wasn't very shifty. So if you could catch him, you could hit him hard. Well, all of a sudden now Lamar Jackson is getting hit 
harder. Physically, he's being attrited. So if you're the if you're the Ravens and you don't think he's worth the guarantees he's looking for, and apparently he wants full guarantee like Deshaun Watson, right? In in Cleveland, that's going to wreck a lot of negotiations. If you if you're the Ravens, then the best thing you can do is put this tag on him that allows him to negotiate with other teams and gives the Ravens the chance to match any offers. And if he goes, they get two first-round draft choices if they don't want to match the offer. That will tell Lamar Jackson what his market value really is, and it will give two first-rounders to the Ravens if he ends up leaving. My opinion is that Lamar's better tread lightly here. You know, he's worth a lot of money. But if he starts asking for too much, he's going to find himself in a situation where he, he's, he's not going to get what he wants and he's going to end up incredibly disappointed. All right. Trevor, appreciate the time as always, uh, my friend. We'll keep an eye on uh, things in the NFL side, the college football side. Uh, enjoy the rest of your offseason, my friend, and uh, have yourself a, a fantastic week. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, DC. All right, brother. There you go. Trevor Madge, the best. Simply the best. No doubt about it. Just fantastic. Uh, what, uh, what he brings to the table, uh, with that knowledge. And again, 15 time Emmy award winner does a great job with ESPN on the college football side. And of course, played 12 years in the NFL as well. All right. As we know, March Madness, uh, we got a championship game coming your way tonight at the Orleans between Gonzaga and St. Mary's. Tomorrow, we already talked to Kevin Kruger regarding the Rebels. Mount West gets underway. And also tonight at the Dollar Loan Center, it's their second year, the Big West Conference. Uh, they get underway with UC Irvine and Santa Barbara, uh, Long Beach, uh, just to name a few. So looking forward to that. The commissioner, Dan Butterly, is going to talk to us next. What's up, y'all? This is Sinbad. You checking my boy, T.C. Martin, talking about what's happening. One, two, three, four. Ah, uh, we're getting up and we're getting ready for the Big West Championships starting tonight. Looking forward to that. The men's and the women's at the Dollar Loan Center and the Big West in their second year at the Dollar Loan Center. Uh, great tournament last year. Uh, very proud to be a part of that. Uh, doing the national radio side uh, with that. Myself and the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, will be on the calls uh, starting tonight. And uh, a very balanced uh, conference this year as well too and uh, he joined us before last year so we had to have him back on again because he's fantastic on the air and uh, full of energy he's my man Dan Butterly the commissioner of the Big West uh, Dan what's going on my friend what's up TC you're at the, the big man and Bill Cartwright calling the games tonight so excited <laughs> to have you over here uh, obviously uh, we've already started the, the women's side has started this afternoon and uh, already getting better crowds than we did last year so we are excited to be back in Henderson that's a dollar loan center. Oh, that sounds great. Uh, like we said, it is the second year. And talk to us about just from a, a standpoint with the conference, uh, uh, Dan, what you learned from year one to year two as you get ready for uh, this go around this season. I think a lot of things we learned, obviously, is Henderson's a great community. I mean, I think our fans and our teams and our, our, our administrators really fell in love with Henderson. And Henderson fell in love with the Big West Basketball Championships. Uh, which we're really excited about. We actually were uh, reevaluated our ticket pricing and actually, strangely enough, actually brought down our ticket prices to try to encourage more people to attend. And actually, Tuesday through Thursday uh, this week, we're offering free parking over here at the Dollar Loan Center. So we're doing what we want to do, what we can do, and what we need to do to, to encourage fans to get over here and see some amazing Big West basketball. I mean, as you said, highly competitive this year. Uh, a lot of our men's games throughout the season and conference play came down to the final shot. And I'm anticipating that's going to happen here during the next few days. All right. So when you talk about uh, year number one, uh, going back to last year, uh, you know, anytime you go into a new building or or a new city, even though you guys had been in Vegas before, but a little bit different, you know, uh, getting acclimated. And what I enjoyed about that, you know, last year was uh, the fans are right there. It was very comfortable. And remember, that was the very first event that the Dollar Loan Center ever hosted was the Big West Tournament last year. So I uh, felt pretty good and pretty proud about that. So just, to go, you know, again, talk about, you know, uh, year number one to where year number two, not just from a ticket sales standpoint, but just other things that will be going on associated with the tournament. Well, I think a lot of things we learned. Last year we were so worried about getting in the facility, making sure the lights turned on, the scoreboards worked, and the court was put in. Uh, this year we didn't have to worry about that. The great thing about this facility is all the events they've got going on, including the G League Ignite team. So they've run a lot of basketball since then, and they've really learned 
how to engage with fans, how to raise the uh, raise the roof in many ways relative to promotions and engagement with fans from the you know guest services upon coming into the building all the way to the encore promotions that we've got and the video boards and everything like that. So really the experience. Uh, beyond the basketball has greatly improved here in the second year. What approach, Dan, have you guys taken to really encompass the Henderson community? Because there are so many people out there in Henderson that now you have an arena there. It's like, wow, now we don't have to drive to the strip or you know deal with all of that stuff. That We got concerts, and now we got sporting events that are in our backyard. How have you gone about making it aware to those residents in Henderson that, like, hey, come out here, this is happening? We've done a lot of different things uh, promotionally in Henderson. And Henderson's embraced the championship of the city as well. We've got street side banners that they put up, you know, proud host city of the Big West Basketball Championships. And we're also a member of the Henderson Chamber of Commerce, the Big West Conferences. So I don't think any other conference uh, that's playing out here can say they're a proud member of the Chamber of Commerce. And we are uh, because we want to embrace the city. We said there's a lot of championships in Las Vegas, but this is Henderson's championship. Uh, we really wanted to embrace this city as much as they've embraced us. Uh, and we're looking forward to the week ahead. And then now that people are comfortable and knowing that the Dollar Loan Center is an arena versus just a retail outlet, uh, last year a lot of people got confused on that. Uh, now that they know that the arena is, is up and running and in existence, they're they're going to start coming in. And as we know, Dan, you and I are both food guys. Uh, great food out there at the Dollar Loan Center as well, too. Hopefully you got you got a chance to dive into to some, some food here early on there. Absolutely. You know, the, one of the great things about Henderson, too, is all the great restaurants yep. in town, the district, and even the old part, old town. Uh, we've got some, definitely the Big West staff has some favorites here in town. But, yeah, the, Levy and the great food that they've got here, some unique food that they've got here in the Dollar Loan Center. And they make it easy uh, to not have to wait in line very long to get your food as well. So uh, just so much stuff. A lot of people don't realize, uh, you know, throughout the, the region how great of a town Henderson is, how great the city is. Uh, they think Las Vegas, they think the Strip but they don't see uh, the city of Henderson uh, as part of a great opportunity, a great a distinct uh, opportunities that are here. The Big West uh, Championships uh, on display here this week. The championship games will be on Saturday, uh, semifinals on Friday, and uh, tonight the opening round, uh, the women going on as we speak right now, and then two men's games tonight at 6 and 8.30. Get out to the Dollar Loan Center, get tickets. Very, very affordable. Uh, speaking of the men's side, Dan, the tournament, I would say, is pretty wide open. You could really make a case for maybe teams one through seven that have a legitimate shot of cutting down the nets on Saturday night and advancing to the NCAA tournament. What are your thoughts? 100% agree with you, TC. I mean, literally, we had UC Davis play Long Beach State on Saturday for the 6-7 seed position and literally went two, two overtimes, a three-hour game. That's how much they wanted to get that. Ninety-three, ninety-two, the final, and the Aggies got the the job over the beach. Yeah, absolutely, and that, that put the uh, the beach into the seventh place game, and then they're playing tonight here. But Dan Munson, obviously, a fantastic coach uh, there at Long Beach State, uh, won the regular season last year, was in the championship game, and I, even as the seventh seed, he's got the team that can get him to the championship game again. But you look at anything one through seven, even one through eight, uh, have some amazing student athletes, some great coaching. Uh, going on, I think any of those any of those teams, uh, not to downgrade the, the lower two teams, but when you got to win four to win the championship, it's a lot different than winning three. And I just think we're so top heavy right now. We had seven of our teams are ranked in the top 150 in the net rankings for the first time in Big West history. We are improving. We are getting better, and you can definitely see by the competition. Most of our games kind of came down to a last second play during regular season play, and I see that happening here. Who do you think the favorite is, Dan? Well, UC Irvine and, and UC, uh, UC Santa Barbara are the top two. They won the regular season title on the men's side, but I would tell you, look out for Riverside. UC Riverside and Cal State Fullerton, those two teams were probably the top, uh, the hottest teams coming into the tournament uh, this year uh, as the three and four seed. So I think those two teams could really get do some damage against uh, UC Irvine and UC Santa Barbara. And uh, Fullerton ended up winning the tournament uh, last year, went to the NCAA uh, tournament. So... Uh, always, always exciting time, especially when you know you're like a one bid league for the most part, and so there's so much emphasis and the intensity is is there. When the you know again, the winner of the tournament basically is is the only team that's probably going to get in there, right? Well, TC, you're spot on. I mean, the SEC tagline is it just means more. This tournament means more than any other conference tournament in the Las Vegas Valley this week. Yep. Because we know that whoever wins our tournament gets the automatic bid to the NCAA tournament, and that we know that that's the only bid the Big West will get on the men's and women's basketball side. So it means so much 
for these teams, not only to win the Big West title, but to guarantee that slot in the NCAA tournament. That's why this just means so much more than any of the tournament itself. Dan, what are the plans or what are you doing right now to get the Big West on a on a larger platform, you know, TV contract? Because as we know, I mean, the way the college sports is, you really need to have that TV deal to get the eyeballs on this conference. And we know that's always, it's always tough because there's a lot of competition out there with uh, the different conferences and the different networks. What is the Big West plan right now? Well, right now, the one good thing we've got going is we're starting to improve at the right time. We've gone from the 22nd-ranked league just three years ago to the 15th-ranked league uh, this year currently, so we're improving. Uh, like I said, seven of our top uh, seven uh, our top seven teams are ranked in the top 150 in the net rankings for the first time ever. Uh, it's a good time to start getting and getting that improvement going. Uh, we're fortunate to have a great partnership with ESPN on the ESPN and ESPN Plus platforms, and obviously with conference realignment potentially coming around the nation. Uh, you know, we're in a really good spot in the Big West, a very solid, stable conference. Uh, that can control the West coming up here very soon. Speaking of realignment, I mean, we're, we're seeing it at the highest level, you know, with UCLA and USC going, you know, leaving the Pac-12 to go to the Big Ten. And we've seen the same thing with Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. Uh, where, where is realignment or is that on the radar or what are your plans with that? Or either realignment or, or expansion? Well, the Big West is very solid. I've got uh, 11 institutions that are very much committed to each other. They're committed to the new Division One standards uh, that are being put forth. And we're in a good position that I don't think our institutions are looking to leave and go to other conferences at this point. I've got great relationships with each of our schools. Uh, but we've also got a lot of schools that want in the Big West. They see where we're going, how we're improving, and how we're shaking up the dynamic, uh, particularly in the college basketball and other sports in the West. I mean, the, the Big West is four-time national champions in men's volleyball. Uh, four to four years consecutively. So we've got other sports that we're very, very good at, a very comprehensive conference. And so we're at it, we're coming uh, on strong at the right time with all the stuff that's happening. I could definitely see a realignment happening uh, a little bit out west. I could see a couple conferences, two or three conferences uh, that could have some realignment. And it's not only going to be just the west, it's going to be throughout the nation as it rumbles through these new D1 uh, new D1 requirements are going to hit across the country. And who knows what's going to happen with the NCAA's request of Congress or the legal cases that are in front of the NCAA as well could shake up Division One. So a lot of things still to come. And as I keep telling our membership, the next 18 to 24 months will tell the tale of the NCAA moving forward. We know that the Big West is is not uh, really full of, of football schools, it, and, and we know that you got UC Davis, you know, in there, and you know Davis uh, has, a, has always had a, a very good football program. What about you know? I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm going to throw my alma mater out there. Why would why wouldn't Sac State be a good fit for the Big West or other schools, or or do you just kind of shy away from those schools that maybe have a football program since there are so many that don't have football? We've got three schools that have football in the Big West. Obviously, Cal Poly and, and you said UC Davis on the FCS level, and the University of Hawaii plays football in the Mountain West, but plays all their other sports in the Big West. Uh, so, obviously, any institution that has football is not you know not looked at negatively right. in that respect. Most of our schools are focused on uh, the comprehensive program versus just you know football specific in that regard. So, it, anybody that had interest in the Big West and they had football, obviously, we we'd look at that, we take that into consideration, but. It's not a negative at all. I mean, it provides other opportunities for student-athletes within their athletic program at football. Great example that you uh, put there with Hawaii because, uh, you know, we know that uh, Hawaii's had uh, a, a very good football program, uh, you know, over the years. And, of course, Mountain West uh, uh, fans and UNLV, they, they, they see plenty of Hawaii year in and uh, year out. Um, you have 11 teams right now. I know you just added San Diego a couple years ago. Are you looking for a 12th? Does that make sense for you? Do you want that even number? We, I talk to my board of directors pretty frequently, and we have meetings every couple of months via Zoom or in person. Um, you know, we talk about national realignment and things that could happen. Right now, our membership uh, feels very comfortable at 11. It doesn't mean that if somebody has interest, we're not going to at least uh, look at their materials and see who might have interest right now. But our, our membership seems very comfortable being at 11. They feel very comfortable with the like-minded institutions. I mean, the one difference uh, in the Big West, we do not have private institutions. Uh, they're all 11 uh, public institutions, 10 in California, one in Hawaii, and they feel very comfortable with the alignment we have uh, right now. So not actively engaged in looking for uh, new member institutions, but uh, as I said, I've talked to a number of institutions that want in the Big West, and we'll continue to look 
at the national landscape and see what may work for the future of the Big West. All right, Dan Butterly joins us, the commissioner of the Big West, getting ready for the tournament, the championship tournament that starts tonight at the Dollar Loan Center. We'll conclude this weekend uh, with the championship game on Saturday, semifinals on Friday, quarters on Thursday, men and women. Uh, real quick, Dan, let me get the, your take on, I know you're a big basketball guy, uh, the current state of the NCAA tournament, where we sit right now with the 68 teams. We know we've got more parity than we've ever seen before. Uh, give us your, your thought about this 2022-23 season for the NCAA tournament that will all culminate there in Houston for the Final Four in the championship game here the 1st of April. Yeah, it's crazy to think he's going to finish in Houston. Houston's one of the top programs yep. in the country this year, so it's going to be almost a home court advantage if Houston can make it that far. Obviously, it's always a challenge trying to project things too far in advance because you never know what the matchups are going to be or what the upsets will be during conference tournament week to disrupt those seedings next week. But you don't have the normal Duke and North Carolinas that are dominating the top at this point. You've got, a, a, like I said, a Houston, uh, Purdue, other programs that have kind of risen to the top this year. I'm, I'm a big fan of Purdue and Matt Painter. I love the program that he runs. Uh, I'd love to see Purdue make it to the Final Four for Matt in many ways. I think Houston's got a phenomenal team uh, as well. And who knows what's going to happen uh, with Indiana and some of these other programs in the Big Ten or uh, the Big East and others that are very, very good. But like you said, it's very congested at the top and middle um, of these leagues. It's going to be really interesting to see how these conference tournaments unfold and who actually makes the NCAA tournament. I mean, it is 68, 68-team uh, field. We know the 32 spots go to automatic qualifiers, and I think there'll probably be uh, at least the four eight teams that think that they should be, should have been the NCAA tournament that won't make it. Um, and maybe it could be from the league I was at previously. It's just such a tight race for those last few spots. We know that the Big West teams play a lot of uh, some some Power 5 conferences in the non-conference or earlier on. Uh, give me a team or two that you've seen, uh, whether it's in person or via television, that uh, you know could make a, a decent run in the NCAA tournament. Uh, in the Big West, I think, you know, the, I, I, as I told the NCAA Men's Basketball Committee uh, last week, we had a meeting with them on the Big West, and I said, the, the challenge, guys, you have to look at the Big West and you have to ask yourself, which of our teams would you want to play in the NCAA tournament? And I would tell you the answer is probably none. I don't think anybody wants to play a Big West team, no matter who wins the seed, the bid coming out of the Big West, because we are we are feisty. We are going to fight to the end uh, in many ways. We've got some great talent in the Big West. We've got a lot of NBA scouts uh, coming out this week, so, you know, two to three times more than we had last year to give you a sense of how, how much the talent levels risen in the Big West. We're very guard-oriented, which makes it an exciting game. And that scares any team that you're pit up, pitted up against in the NCAA tournament. We're hoping to get a really good seed, a 13-14 seed for the Big West to be improved from what we had last year. Uh, but the committee, you know, people that we talk to tend to agree. I don't think as they uh, manage other conferences or other institutions, I don't think anybody will want to play a Big West team because we're scrapping and we're going to come out to compete. All right. He is Dan Butterly. We're looking forward to the Big West Championships. Uh, they're underway right now on the women's side, and then tonight uh, the men. Uh, so go ahead real quick, Dan, and tell our listeners uh, how they can uh, get their tickets, how they can get out there, and just uh, go over the schedule real quick here for the next few days. Absolutely. Real easy. Today's the first round. Tuesday tonight we have four men's games, or two men's games, four teams going on this evening at the Dollar Loan Center. I encourage people to come over and see these games because they're going to be amazingly competitive. The women's uh, quarterfinals are tomorrow. Men's quarterfinals all day on Thursday. Uh, women's semifinals on Friday afternoon. Men's semifinals on Saturday night. Uh, and the two championship games, women's, semi, women's championship game at 3 o'clock on Saturday. The men's championship game on ESPN2 at 6.30 uh, on Saturday night. Tickets are easy. Go to the AXS uh, ticketing systems. Uh, you can come right up here to the Dollar Loan Center. Uh, walk up free parking Tuesday through Thursday this week. Uh, come on over. Uh, buy an inexpensive ticket. And enjoy some amazing NCAA basketball here at the Dollar Loan Center. Great stuff, uh, Dan. You're doing a great job as commissioner of the Big West. Uh, look forward to seeing you not only tonight, but uh, throughout the week as well, my friend. You got it, TC. Looking forward to hearing your call tonight, you and Bill, and looking forward to seeing you over here. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. There he is. Thanks, TC. Dan Butterly, the commissioner of the Big West. Uh, get your tickets at access.com. That's access.com for uh, the Big West. And like you said, very, very inexpensive tickets. Uh, free parking at the Dollar Loan Center the next couple nights. Uh, you can't beat it. And they lowered their prices to, uh, to really cater, uh, to not only the people in Henderson, but Las Vegas as well, too. Uh, they want bodies in the seats, plain simple, because I think they feel that, hey, once you come to a game, uh, you're going to want to come back, uh, whether it's, uh, 
you know, again this year or next year, but they got themselves a, a nice uh, agreement uh, with the Dollar Loan Center and the city of Henderson uh, to come there. And uh, he is right. I mean, the Big West, I mean, if you remember going back uh, last year or two years ago, Santa Barbara uh, made it to the tournament and they nearly beat Creighton uh, in their opening round game. And we've seen those type of upsets. We saw Fullerton against Duke last year. Fullerton nearly knocked off Duke. Last year, they hung with them for a while, and then Duke kind of ran away uh, at the end. But uh, guard-oriented uh, conference, uh, you got some great coaches. Don Monson, the all-time winningest coach in Long Beach State history. Don Monson was the guy that started the program at Gonzaga, and he left to go take a job in Minnesota, which opened the door for Mark Few. And uh, then Don Monson left Minnesota and then ended up in Long Beach for the last 17 years. Oh, that guy, Mark Few, done a pretty good job, but that he just picked up where Don Monson left off. Don Monson started that Gonzaga program. Rod Barnes, who did a fantastic job at Ole Miss. Rod Barnes is the coach, uh, of the team in, um, uh, in the, the Big West as well, too. So, uh, you got some good coaches. Uh, Trent Johnson, he used to be the coach at, at Nevada, uh, and LSU and Stanford. Uh, he's coaching a team in there as well, too. So a lot of great coaches, good talent, good players. Get out there to the Dollar Loan Center and uh, check out all of the action starting tonight. All right. Uh, I want to thank Trevor Match uh, for joining us. Appreciate Trev uh, breaking it down for us, talking about the NFL Combine, talking about the uh, quarterback situation, the free agent quarterbacks uh, as well. Dan Butterly, the commissioner of the Big West. And then uh, also uh, Kevin Kruger getting ready for the Rebels game tomorrow night. At, or uh, tomorrow afternoon, I should say. I'm sorry. 1.30 in the afternoon as the Rebels take on Air Force. Kicking off the Mountain West Conference Tournament. All right. If you miss any part of the show, you know where to go. Go to the website at tcmartinshow.com. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, go check out the show. Check out our our blogs on the front page. The breakdown, St. Mary's Gonzaga WCC Championship tonight at the Orleans. Looking forward to that as well, too. And we got plenty of college basketball hitting you all week long. Appreciate my man, Nick Nice. Reunited, as Peaches and Herb once said, uh, back in, in the building here again. Appreciate that. Marky Mark. And uh, hopefully, Numbchuck, you get well soon, too. All right. Again, go to the website. Check everything out. We'll be right back at it again tomorrow at 2.